Greetings. Hello there. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 26. I'm your humble host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining us. Please take a moment and follow us on the Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. We would very much appreciate it. And if you enjoy what you're listening to and your ear holes are satisfied, head over to iTunes and please give us a five-star review and write a little positive blurb. We would very much appreciate it. It spreads the love. It smears it on the world. But <laughs> but this week was the amazing, awesome, large, the insane Stan Lee's Kamikaze Comic-Con Expo. And it was a blast. We're going to talk about that. I have a quick comic book feel-good factoid freebie. Just one this week. And I even have some a spotlight on a particular few writers and artists that I met. So it's going to focus around that, of course, of the Stan Lee's Kamikaze Con. And then I'm going to go, jump right into, of course, my top picks of the week. So let's jump right into it, actually. And the first thing I have is this awesome interview with Terry Crews. You may know Terry Crews from, well, just about everything. Uh, one of my favorites is Idiocracy. He plays the president in Idiocracy. He's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I didn't um, know, but I kind of guessed. I mean, he's an American football player, and he was on Everybody Hates Chris. I remember that one. And he's just this all-around sort of awesome, well-stacked, well-built fella, and he's hilarious. And I didn't even know he was host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for like a year. I was just looking that over. And he wrote a comic book. And it was kind of interesting. At Kamikaze Con, there was a, I, I was going to the panels, and there was one that was kind of held in secret of a comic book that was going to be released and a guest host that they, would, they kept nameless. And it, it, they announced it, uh, that it was going to be Terry Crews and that he was the writer of this comic. And I managed to sit in the panel, and they had an open discussion for questions. I got a question in. It's kind of cool. And they, they way took... The answer a lot further and more in depth than I could ever imagine they would, which was fantastic. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. Patsy was with me and she enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was a just a whole mess of nerdstum, nerddom. So I hope you liked it. But it was a blast. And this is I'm going to jump right into about 15 minutes of it. The volume's a smidge low, so crank it up a bid, a bidge, a midge, a smidge, whatever. And <laughs> It was uh, it was very cool, and he's a cool guy, and I'm gonna check this comic book out for sure. And uh, here here you go. Here's 15 minutes of the panel with Terry Crews unveiling his new comic book. Check it out. I'm I'm very very thankful with the with the graphic book world. I mean, the fact that you can see your vision realized, you know, it's it's just truly amazing to me. Now, again, my my overall goal is to see this as a feature. But, but, I would be so, so happy just to be able to hold this in my hands and look at it and see the vision that was in my head put on the page because I've always been satisfied like that. I mean, for me, as an artist, um, I am always just as satisfied seeing my, my work on paper as I am seeing a movie or a television show or a commercial that I've done. You've had the opportunity to have a preview of some of the art. Um, just from the preview, so the fans have an idea of what to expect in the coming weeks. Um, what have your thoughts been? How have you liked it? No, the art is amazing. Um, it's really been true to the thought and the idea that I have. I'm, I'm extreme. I'm pretty extreme in everything. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I really, really, 
Uh, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to this kind of thing because I don't want anything to be derivative. Uh, and you can be derivative just off, you know, copying styles, copying art, copying concepts, this kind of thing. Um, but the truth is, is that every, you know, every story is the same. That's and that's the, the dichotomy that we have to go. You go, well, that's just like, well, everything is just like everything. But, but when you do it, it's different. That's, it's like human beings are human beings, but there will never be another you on the face of the earth. That's the same thing with story. It's the same thing with any story, same thing with any art. No one holds a pen. No one colors like this guy. No one draws like him. And it's truly an original. No one thinks like you. Um, and my, my vision is to see this fully, fully realized. Um, and you will see that it's truly out of my head. And uh, my head's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really see. trying to keep the energy up in the book. Because <laughs> it just makes sense to go ahead and keep that reflection. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're... Um, I want to keep this very succinct for all intent purposes, so I'm going to give a quick five minutes, five, uh, quick five minutes of Q&A uh, for uh, a couple questions from the audience. Uh, this is a long way from Flint. I said that before. Yeah. We, long way from Flint. So, um, real quick, um, questions for Mr. Cruz or myself or Al? Yes. you got to be real loud. Yeah, please, I definitely. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Terry, uh, first of all, love your work. Uh, you're always going to be President Camacho to me. <laughs> so thank you for that, and thank you for this incredible new project. What was it about the graphic novel that made you want to choose that as the medium for uh, this story? Because you said it started as a screenplay. It could very easily be a cartoon or a TV series. Uh, what was it about the book that, uh, that drew you to that? Well, you know, it did start out as a screenplay. Uh, fully finished, fleshed out screenplay. Um, but... My thing was, you know, I want to see it. I want to see it. And you, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll be real, and I will tell everybody this. You don't need permission to be great. You don't need permission from some, you don't need $100 million to make my vision clear. You can do whatever you want now. I don't care if it's black and white, pencil drawing, put it in a book. Put it out, because when you see it, first of all, it's, it's basically storyboarding deluxe is what a movie is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the vision is created when you see it. And it doesn't matter how far it gets. It could be Star Wars or it can be just that, that pencil drawing, uh, small little thing that you put together. But now people get you. Yeah. And it's, it, it really does start in the writing. And a lot, a lot of writers who have great scripts they sit there, and, you, and I, I know the difference. You could take a great script, throw it out of the window at a four or five, and it'll be a movie in about three, four years. Because it's that rare. Because people go, oh my God, this is amazing. So my vision was to really, really get, and I knew it was, a, it was kind of a big budget, it was kind of wild, it's like, no one can see my vision, especially Hollywood. Hollywood has a real different take on a lot of things. So unless you can make them see it, you, you have a lot of people who don't understand creativity, who don't understand uh, a vision. They're, they're, it's, it's a money thing. Now, you need both. And when you put Walking Dead in a graphic novel, they could, they could get it. And they could green light it. And it's all now, I think, it's the best, best way to get a project out. A graphic novel is probably 
uh, you know, I, I don't know any better way to get your vision told the way you want it than that. Because with, even in the script stage, they'll grab it, start pulling things out. You turn around and it's a cartoon. You're like, I didn't. This is not what I was talking about. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. when it's in that graphic, it's not the graphic novel form. It's a it's a published work that they cannot take anything in or out without your permission. You use Walking Dead as an example and everything. And I think a lot of people sometimes, if they're just catching up with the TV series, they don't know that the series has been out 10 exactly. years prior to the actual series being inducted. So it's a lot of stuff that they're seeing right now that they're getting shocked by. You know, like, oh, that character's dead, that character's dead. Well, actually, that character's been dead for a decade. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so, those who know. You know like, for those who, right, for those who know, you, you're catching up. <laughs> so. Hey, graphic novels, it's a, it's, a, it's a fast, self-efficient way to thoroughly get your vision across. And um, which we're, we're going to do hands, yeah, so hands over foot. I think, it, I think it's just the best route is the first step towards many bigger, greater things. But it's the best way to, to really show, like, no, this is the idea for it. This is how it's supposed to look, how the pacing and so forth. You get a lot more control doing it in that aspect as opposed to, say, animation, where, yeah, you, you are kind of overseeing it, but there's a lot that's happening without your hands on it. Right. And I also see, I mean, with the, with the advantages of the, it being in the digital medium, with having artists do original music that play right along with the panels um, and, and bring it into a whole other thing. I mean, on your iPad, you can actually do that. Um, whereas before, you you know, now, it's funny, when I wrote it, you couldn't do it. Yeah, we have more That's what's so crazy. Um, and this was years ago. Yeah. I wrote this thing like nine years ago. It, yeah. Uh, and and, and yeah. to, you know, kind of like technology, <laughs> yeah. But technology, I mean, you look at the date, you see it right there. Technology is now caught up to the vision, which is inc it's incredible. So there's a lot of things we can do, and, I, and one thing too is that I have a lot of friends and a lot of uh, a lot of great artists who are friends of mine who I know would love to be involved and um, to really kind of make this a really a collaborative effort in every way. I have no business in trying to be, you know, it's all about me and this and this. I'm just about creative. People and creative, you know, art. Which again, I'm humble that you. That's it. You know, boy, that's why I'm here with him. Uh, real, let me see. I'm going to do uh, one more, a uh, couple more questions, and then we're going to kind of wrap this up. Uh, there, oh, uh, yes, sir. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Once again, when he said, "Love your work." Um, so in this world, like, what do you do with like if somebody's like, "Oh, have, does bluegrass have power, or does like country? Is it all just hip hop?" Well, well, I, I want to say that. I want to say that. No, no, it's cool. No, it's cool. Uh, people try with other other styles, and they try to come in, and it's just proven. And I, and I have to say, when you look, have you ever heard a song where you're like, I hate that song? <laughs> and it's, it may be hip hop, whatever. But you, I hate that song, but the whole world loves it. Okay. But it's that beautiful, amazing song that's just to kill this thing that it's your little secret. You know what I mean? And that's pretty much what's happening here. It's not about good, even good hip hop. A lot of times it's about the most exploitative, the thing that shocks people. It's, it's like a shock, radio shock jocks type stuff. Um, and what happens is that's how, I have to say, that's how hip-hop, even now, has gone to the forefront. Because you go, man, you know, like, this song isn't even good, but people are with it, you know what I mean? And it's more becomes a popularity contest as opposed to skill 
and whatever, and whatever you can get to put bullets and get more electronics into your weaponry is what you'll do. And that's kind of how it is in the, in the business right now. <laughs> and it's also a pseudo way of like when you're really touching on that, that dynamic of, you know, product as opposed to art. You know, like I'm sure we can all relate to the fact that like there's, you know, a lot of quote unquote music that is out right now that in comparison to something like, you know, I'm a 90s, you know, you know, cat when it comes down to using hip hop, for example, and like I'm all 90s, late 80s. So when I hear what I'm hearing now and everything, I'm just like, are you serious? And, you know, but then, uh, as I'm sure Terry could, you know, appreciate, but then the dynamic, though, is the fact that, like, there's stuff that's out there that, like, sells millions and millions of albums, but you have some pure lyricists right now that just, they get no, they get no love from, you know, airplay. I got one example. It, it, you know, there's a character in the, in the book. His name is Shorty Shitstay. <laughs> oh, don't laugh. I know, no, no, don't he's laugh. horrified. <laughs> horrified, yeah. He's, he's severely disfigured. Be worried. Severely disfigured. He's, he's an actual murderer. He's brought out of jail in order to compete in the notorium because people demanded it. Um, and it's, it became where it's, it's like. It's just sensationalism it's to the to the nth degree, and um, it, it's it's kind of a, a, a take on what this whole thing is about. And uh, there's some twists and turns and the whole thing, but it makes me really, really understand. It'll make you understand a little bit more. Like, okay, this is really about music, not at all. Uh, it's about the anger. Yeah. It's about the, what powers it. It's about the emotion it's, behind it. It's the emotion behind the music that m gives it its power. Right, it's the conviction you'll ultimately see. But, I mean, like, that's that right there is something you'll have to translate and really fully grasp and everything as you go through this series. Um, one last question. Uh, okay. <laughs> Being that sound is the primary element of the comic, have you had or considered having a DJ conceptualize the sound? of this comic? There have been a few comics in the past that have tied music and actually... Yeah, we're looking into that sort of thing. Yeah. Being, being that we focus primarily on the digital aspect, so it's downloadable, we get a little more play and a little more control on those sort of things. Fantastic. Um, so we will be looking into some of that and possibly even interactive capabilities within. So, but yeah, I, particularly because music and sound play such a role to it, it is rather important that even if it's just something that's playing softly in the background throughout the pages you go through it, that there is some sort of uh, score to it, if you yes. will. And, um, you know, whether or not we get lyricists to be able to do the rap battles right on there for the page, uh, you know, we'll see see what see what shows up. I, I sure. think that the project itself, once it's done, will attract the right people. It's funny, um, I was major laser for Diplo. Um, and the great work he's done attracted me to him. You know, uh, and he actually has a cartoon out, an animated project out, the whole thing, and Major Laser was an actual, when you look at the cover, it's a graphic novel yeah. that created the concept of the music. Yeah. So it's all, and I'm not saying he, or it could be a really, it will be someone that could really funnel his music and get behind it because they understand the vision of what it is. Um, but I, you're right, I, I think it's going to be, it's, it's endless, endless opportunities for a lot of people to get involved. And we're, we're going to do everything in our power. I mean, like, not only because of my relationship with Terry, but, you know, uh, I want to make sure that this translates, 
you know, properly gives an accurate uh, translation for what he wants to have on this panel and then exceed that, quite honestly, because, you know, I, I, I love what I do for the fans. And uh, yep, I love what I do for the fans, and I want you to all look at this and say, like, I didn't expect this. When's the next issue? So, um, and, and that's the goal, basically. And then, and then to have you also say, like, I want to see this a movie. And then I'll say, like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> this, this is the intent. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Now, mind you, this right here, I want to say thank you because this is held very tight, very close to chest in terms of uh, uh, having Mr. Cruz here. And, uh, and so we're very pleased that you guys have had this exclusive, and I'm very serious about this, very exclusive. You're the first to hear dynamic, him talk about it. Uh, 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 yeah. Dynamic, uh, As social media exceeds and everything, Terry, I'm expecting a slight change. So, uh, as this as this continues to grow and as uh, we continue to announce this further with uh, Terry and uh, HR Visions, we are going to really have something for you. So, in 2006, when this launches, every issue, every chapter, you're going to look at this and say, "Like, damn," and just be drawn to it, be connected to these characters, fall in love with these characters. And those who make it, you're going to be half applauding. Those who don't, you'll be crying. Because we want to pull that emotion. Because emotion drives this project. Thank you. So that was pretty cool. Pretty fun. The comic book's called Notorium. And it sort of takes a lot of hip-hop and infuses... Uh, it, you know, they only really teased upon it. They didn't really give us any heavy nuggets about what the comic's going to be about. But we know there's, uh, it's action-based, and Terry mentioned his, his brain is, is, you know, all over the place. It's a mess of action infused with sort of hip-hop and music, and that is how the powers are derived from, based on music, from what it sounds like. But, yeah, they were kind of keeping things surprisingly hush-hush, but I'm pretty excited. So, Notorium, they really didn't have the name of the publisher listed, so it's all kind of fresh. So, you're hearing it first. Terry Crews doing a comic book. Pretty interesting. And next up, I just wanted to highlight a few things quickly about Kamikaze Expo. I actually got to meet and have a sketch drawn, and he autographed a shirt which is really cool, of Mike Mignola. He created Hellboy, and Hellboy is one of those comics that, gosh, I remember it. I remember a 2006 series that was drawn by Richard Corbin. And yeah, yeah, that's right. It was 2006, and that was, the art is ridiculous, and after that, or actually even before that, Mike Mignola did everything from writing, scripting, inking, penciling, the whole shebang. And there's something unique about that when it's it's a creator-owned property, and they and an artist like Mike Mignola takes all the all the driver's seats for all aspects of a comic. It's it's really truly a, a, a love a passionate love project that when in most cases when you see someone skilled like Mike Mignola take a you know take on a project from its inception and creation to completion, it, it's really something special. And I, he is, for me, an inspiration. He is one of the reasons why I'm in by read comic books today and have back then. Uh, the creator of Hellboy from the movie series. And then that world he sort of created from BPRD to Abe Sapien to Lobster Johnson. These are all great titles. BPRD, Hell on Earth. And even the animated series, uh, Screw on Head. I'm probably messing that title up, but that was just a 
really unique, interesting, sort of R-rated animated short about this amazing screw-on head character. Check that out if you ever get a chance. Fantastic stuff. So I, I, I managed to, I didn't want to stick the mic in his face. It was one of those moments where I got caught up in the moment speaking to him. We had a really nice and pleasant conversation, and he was nice enough to do a short sketch for me, which I'll show on Instagram at Sunspots Comics very soon. So thank you, Mike Mignola. And secondly was Victor Olazaba. And Victor Olazaba is an inker, actually, that works heavily with Umberto Ramos, who does a lot of amazing Spider-Man work. He has a really unique style, Umberto does. And, he's, and, and Victor's quite often the inker of choice for Humberto's uh, work, but I, over on Comic Vine, I checked him out, and he's he's actually credited for 41 Spawn issues, where he does the ink and even co-pencils, 22 Amazing Spider-Man issues, 12 Uncanny X-Men issues, and 10 Superior Spider-Man issues. I actually think there's more than that, uh, because I'm familiar with a few other pieces of his work. But Victor Olazaba did a great little Spider-Man sp sketch for me, and he was extremely nice. We had a great conversation, and over the years, if you have read comics, you have been looking at his work, Spawn, Amazing Spider-Man, X-Men, etc. So, fantastic. Thank you, Victor, for the lovely sketch. I'll post that on Instagram as well, at Sunspots Comics. And the last one I want to highlight quickly before I go into a serious Sunspots spotlight is Amanda Stenberg. A few weeks back, I highlighted her article on a comic book feel-good factoid freebie that she... Was that she's an actress uh, that played the character Rue in the Hunger Games, and she wrote, co-wrote, a series called Niobe. And Niobe number one just actually at Kamikaze Con, they released the number one a bit early. It's supposed to come out, I think, this Wednesday, from looks like a publisher called Stranger. And there's a, uh, it's the art is absolutely gorgeous, drawn by Ashley A. Woods. We're going to be seeing more of her. The, I didn't read it yet, so this will go on to one of the, the poll list for next week, and maybe it'll make top pick, but it has a sort of Avatar-like look to it, and the coloring and palette is really bright and gorgeous, and her art, the facial expression on the eyes, and it's beautiful. Um, Ashley Woods, I know we're going to be seeing more of your work very, very soon. But Amanda Stenberg writing it, uh, an empowering young black female is uh, the the centerpiece of this story, and she was nice enough to autograph it and have a little chit-chat, and she was super sweet and super nice. She's like 17 years old, but very cool. Cash in, why not, right? She's Rue. She has a little, a little fame, a little notoriety. Might as well put something out there and see what happens. It feels like a pitch for a movie. Absolutely does. And I'm going to read that and highlight that possibly next week if it makes uh, the top pick. So it was just a whole lot of fun. Walked the entire floor of, of the Kamikaze Expo, picked up and spent way too much money, and it was just a lot of fun. Packed, packed tight, shoulder to shoulder, just sweaty, happy, friendly, <laughs> nerdy people, all just uh, just hurting through the through the aisles but made it all the way through it was just a lot of fun went to a bunch of panels and uh, there it was it was a really good time it seems to just be growing it's the fifth year i've gone every year it just keeps getting bigger big, better and bigger every single year so you have to go check out stan, stan lee's comic book kamikaze con expo it was a whole lot of fun 
Now, coming up next, I want to actually do a Sunspots Spotlight, a new piece where I'm actually going to just be highlighting one particular comic book person in the biz. It's a writer, and his name, this writer, is Matthew Rosenberg. I have to also, before I get into Matthew Rosenberg, I have to thank Bobby Mayo on Instagram. He's whatever Bob with two Vs. He actually recommended We Can Never Go Home to me, and it was my number two. It wasn't my first pick of uh, the of reading from my recommendations when I asked for recommendations, but it was it's fantastic. I've been reading this like like uh, well the number one I've read, and I'm going to be reading everything else because when I met Matthew uh, Rosenberg at his panel at Kamikaze Con, I bought everything that he's made that he's written. Um, he luckily had We Can Never Go Home two, three, and four, so I grabbed those. He was nice enough to autograph them, and I will be speaking of these comics in the very near future. And another entire set of six comics, uh, all from this from the publisher Black Mask. And I picked up his six-issue arc on 12 Reasons to Die. He co-wrote it with Ghostface Killa of the Wu-Tang Clan. And so I kind of picked it up to give to Fernando, my stepson, who's a humongous Wu-Tang fan, clan fan. And also they did an audio CD, 12 Reasons to Die by Ghostface Killa, that accompanies this, which I love when music accompanies, as you can even tell from the question I asked Mr. Terry Crews. But six issues... The pitch was basically uh, insanity, a mess. Uh, serial killers, witches, monsters. He didn't want to spoil it for me. He said there is a spoiler-like aspect in it, but 12 Reasons to Die, 1 through 6, I picked up that Matthew wrote with Ghostface Killer. So I will be be high spotlight, spotlighting those comics after I read them all. And then the other one is he did a new Marvel title uh, called Quake, number 1, 50 Years of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I'll be reading that as well. And this wasn't a title I was going to grab. I didn't actually know that he wrote this. But with reading what he's done in We Can Never Go Home, which is basically a story of it's kind of like a mutant, uh, mutants that are surprisingly coming into their powers, uh, two kids that uh, one of them is standing at, um, at like sort of makeout point, just being upset and angry, throwing rocks and shooting guns when he sees like a damsel in distress potentially getting raped in a truck and when he comes to her rescue she doesn't need any rescue because she has these powers her eye her, her, her eyes glow blue she throws this uh, potential rapist like out the car door and flies like 50 feet so he sees that she has powers and he has not the best home life and when they become friends and that they go back to the home life of the boy character the main guy um basically there spoilers of course that they accidentally kill the boy's father but he's this jerk scumbag abusive man anyway kind of killed the bad guy but now they can never go home and that was just number one so i will be reading that and spotlighting it and reading quake number one and also the 12 reasons to die all from matthew rosenberg he was super nice he was extremely friendly we talked in length uh, about his what is some of his inspirations were how he was formally trained it was just a great conversation we we're having one-on-one -on -one. and so please check out matthew rosenberg's work you will enjoy it check out his uh, site which uh, actually i follow him on twitter it's ashcan at ashcan press so check him out matthew rosenberg fantastic writer and i will be following him he will be one to watch he does great character develop development 
writes in such a fantastic pace, keeps it interesting. Dialogue is not super heavy, and it's uh, it's he writes in a in a very deep way. The way he makes you connect with the characters, to where you fully feel immersed and invested in these characters. So well well done. Thank you, Matthew Rosenberg, and thank you, Bobby Mayo, for referring. We can never go home to me. So very, very cool. That's the Sunspots Spotlight. So let's get into the nitty gritty, the meat and potatoes. My top favorite picks, comic book picks from New Comic Book Day, October 28th. And there was only nine on the pull list. Not bad, respectable, medium-ish sized week, which is good. And please check out my pull list. You can see what I currently collect. You can see what I grabbed this particular week on sunspotscomics.com. You'll see the pull list. And this week, two new number ones made it to the top listing picks. And this week, there were four. Of the nine, four really stood out that were fantastic. Easy buys. These are my recommendations. Spend your money on these. They are well-deserved. Fantastic writing and art, that synergy of those two things coming together. Because you can't just have amazing writing, you can't just have amazing art. It has to really come together to make it a top pick. And I hold these in high standard. $3.99 is a lot of dough. It's a lot of scratch, a lot of do-re-mi. I, I do try to spend my monies wisely, so I, of course, only want to pass that advice on to you. So spend your money wisely. Buy these four comic books I'm about to recommend. So let's go ahead and jump right into them. So coming in at number four from Abstract Studio, Mr. Terry Moore, Sip Kids. And with Halloween, actually one day past, this is perfectly apropos for the pick of the week because... The Sip Kids is one thing to be an homage to Peanuts and to Calvin and Hobbes, but he's also sort of prequeling is what he's doing here. That's what I really feel. All of these young characters written in here in his Peanuts slash Calvin Hobbes style uh, with his unique twist is he implements the personalities from all of his previous series, from Echo to Rachel Rising to Strangers in Paradise. And so it's a neat little glimpse at the same time of all of these characters that he's developed and that there's there's beloved if you read any of his work. So it's not just a, a nostalgic telling of, of, of youth, but it is also a glimpse into a sort of prequel style of writing for these characters. So this is the Halloween issue. One thing I love is the one character that has just a shark over his face. I want to actually make this as a costume. He, it just says surfs, he's wearing a surfs up t-shirt and there's a shark standing straight up like chomped onto his head and he sees through the, through the eyes of the shark. And I just chuckled at that. And there, at the first part, there's a there's the old man, you know, get off my lawn. And you, when I back in my day, and pajamas aren't a costume, milk breath. And so it's just hilarious how he writes this old man yelling at kids, yelling at the sip kids. And it it just tugs on the heartstrings. They're so excited about Halloween, and the one character is sitting in a ballerina outfit just looking pitiful and she keeps asking her mom like is it halloween yet is it halloween yet like are we there yet are we there yet the mom's like it's two o'clock you know how about now it's 201 so the kid's so excited francine which is one of the main characters in strangers in paradise which you should read and it's just beautifully drawn, and it was a lot of fun. And even the very last page is a is a, dedica- is a actual quote from Bill Waterston that says, 
uh, things are never quite as scary when you have a best friend. And I put that on Instagram at Sunspots Comics. It's just it's just beautiful and heartwarming. And that's why it's my number four pick. And you have to check out anything that Terry Moore writes. Please do. And my number three pick is from Marvel Comics. Number two, Star Wars Chewbacca. And <laughs> he, it's it's funny that it's kind of like I don't know, watching a like Jurassic Park, I guess. You know, because you really you really want to see the dinosaurs, but they can't speak. So you sort of need humans to talk a little bit and to keep the story going. Going, and that's kind of how Chewbacca is, because nobody can understand him, and uh, they're they're all just like, huh? Whenever Chewbacca speaks. But he, the art by Phil Noto is gorgeous. Uh, this is, I would say, no, it's it's second place. It's not the art winner um, or the cover winner, but it was close. Phil Noto's work is fantastic. It goes into a little flashback for Chewbacca, so we understand a little bit of how his sensitivity to slavery affects him, and that's why he decides to help this young preteen girl save her father and these slaves on this, this planet he's crash-landed on. And it shows their their plan to get them out, which phase one of the plan is for her to be captured and for Chewbacca to basically kick some tail and shoot people in the face. So <laughs> it's it's a simple story, but it's fun, and the art is gorgeous. You, you realize, I realize when I'm reading this, I've always wanted Chewbacca to have his own story. <laughs> and they, they tell it well. Written by Mr. Duggan and and drawn by Phil Noto, which you just want to stare at when he draws Chewbacca standing there. It's just gorgeous. It, it's He's got this, his, the hair is just like Garnier Fructiste. It's just beautiful. <laughs> and it's just a lot of fun. Check out Chewbacca. It's on the pull list, and it's beautiful work. And my number two of the four is from Vertigo Comics, a new number one, and it's called Art Ops. And Art Ops is drawn and colored by a couple of my favorite teams, uh, Mike Allred and his wife Laura. They are uh, it's they so they work so well together. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure it's husband and wife Laura, and and Mike Allred. So the artist he did I Zombie, which I love the comic book. I kind of like the TV show, but love the comic book. And this feels like that, and it's this couldn't get any more twisted and strange. This is. In a world, in a world where pictures in art are actually alive, there is a group of people called the Art Ops that basically just protect some of the priceless art by bringing them to life with this sort of Stargate-like transporter that brings them to life. So they bring Mona Lisa to life here in order to protect her from art robbers. And they, Mona Lisa steps out of this thing. She's alive. The, the dialogue that, with, that she that she uh, is, is just hilarious. Um, they tease her a little bit about how she's not really all that good looking. <laughs> and it's not her first rodeo. She's been zapped to life a few times. So it's strange that they have personality from this or they have realization that they're art and that they're being brought to life to be protected. So totally out there. And then there's the son of the head of Art Ops that just sort of wants nothing to do with it. And he has this, this girlfriend. He's a little bit punk rock. He's just kind of doing his own thing. And it looks like he has this ability. So it looks like the, the Art Ops have sort of a mutant power. And he's attacked by graffiti. And the graffiti rips his arm off. But his mom comes in, saves the day, and rebuilds his arm with balloon art? 
<laughs> and the balloon art arm, which is literally like rainbow colored balloons, is also sort of super strength imbued. So all over the place, strange. I just enjoyed it. It was a mess. And the like sort of rapture hits the art ops and they're just all gone. And then steps in this very well-drawn well and well-written character that looks, I guess, a little on the Batman side, a little on the Judge Dreddy helmet look to him. And he has the ability to MIB people, to just point a flashy thing and have them their memory go away, because, uh, you know, he's a man in black. <laughs> and his job is to convince the son that hates the art ops and has these on the outs with his mom, the leader of Art Ops, that, hey, Art Ops, that, they're all gone, they were raptured or something, they're all vanished, and you gotta be the head of Art uh, Ops and take over and find your family, and he's like, no, no thanks, and, and, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just, and then, oh, and Mona Lisa is picking up on a local guy, and he doesn't want anything to do with her, and he finally kind of agrees to have coffee with her, and that's when this man in black, which the character name is escaping me, uh, says, hey, we need you, and we have to find the the son of the art ops, uh, head of art ops, and get him to run art ops and find the entire group. So I'm in. I'm hooked. The art's fantastic. The writing is insane and crazy. It's just a, it's a, a it's just, it's out there. It's far out, but I dug it. And that's Art Ops by Vertigo, number one, uh, written by Simon. And uh, I'm looking for his first name because there's a bunch of Simon writers. So, but it's in here, and I'll find it. Ah, here it is. Yeah, and they are husband and wife, and it is Laura. So definite grab, add to the pull list, read this constantly. Sean Simon, there you go. Thank you very much. So <laughs> that's my number two. And the number one pick of the week. I swear number one and number two were like tied, but from Image Comics, Black Magic with a K at the end, by Greg Rucka, and art by the amazing Nicola Scott. And this is set in a world <laughs> where you see this first, uh, the art, by the way, is this black and white style that's just gorgeous. The, her, the way she draws eyes and facial expressions, lips and brows, and it really immerses you into the story and you completely sort of feel and you're invested into what's happening to these characters because of the facial expressions. It really means a lot here, it works, she sells it from everything to where she's sitting on a motorcycle and it has like a BMW symbol on it to the opening sequence where there's a bunch of witches doing a crazy seance, men and female witches, and then the main character's phone rings. <laughs> And they're not all that happy about that, but she's a policeman and she has to go. And at first it looks like the head of this witch coven is coming over to stabby Twister. She's like, okay, just get out of here, do your thing. You think at first, I like that you think at first this must be 500 years ago, but no, it's current day from what it feels like, or at least maybe in the early 2000s, late, maybe late 90s, hard to say, but you think, okay, this is 500 years ago. No, it's today. So she's called onto the scene and there's a hostage situation and the close-ups of this crazy person that's holding people hostage at this restaurant, uh, the, the, just the veins and the eyes, the way Nicholas Scott draws is gorgeous. You see in his facial expression that he's desperate and that he's going to kill these people and he all he wants is to speak to this particular cop and come to realize he knows who she is, that she's part of this sort of strange witch cult, and he is going to, you know, expose her. 
And that's that's why he kidnapped four people in this diner to find this cop and speak to her and tell her that he's going to expose her and stop her. And then he has, and then there's a moment where he it's a twist. He's like needs her help, and he's like you could tell that he's being forced to do these things, to 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 go after her and to kill her. And she warns him luck, reluctantly, you know, don't go there, don't do it. You know, he's has her now finally in the restaurant and tells her to take her clothes off because she wanted to, he wanted to take the wire off of her. And it seems like he knows uh, the law enforcement operations, like maybe he's a little even on the inside, which they don't discuss, but I, I'm gathering, I felt that. And he just whispers to her that he knows her real name and knows what she's about and please you have to help me, I have no choice. And she has to use her magic power. So you see now what her ability is. And then it's a splash of color. You go from black and white to the flames and the blue in his glasses. And when she has to use her powers on this man, it's not pretty. And then there's, and there's even, and I won't spoil the rest of it, but there's even like a sort of witch Cullen parchment that sort of very poetically writes down uh, a passage of sort of like a prophecy and then in the back there's a chart showing the sort of great 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 grandparents of our main character Rowan Black and their date of birth and their year of their death and how they were executed and there was Salem a lot of it happening in Salem so witch hangings etc tried and executed uh, there's, it just shows how they die and so this neat little sort of uh, family tree of witches that she's from and she has some crazy powers but wow Greg Rucka Nicholas Scott did it perfectly I'm really excited about this title it is on the pull list permanently grab it grab it immediately I can't say enough words about this particular comic I, I'm super excited so I can't wait for number two with the art like this though it probably took her a year to draw this it just looks so beautifully painstakingly just attention to detail that it had to have taken a while so I'm sure the next one will be out in six months but if it's on time I'll be just so dramatically and happily surprised I hope it is on time and we see it in four weeks so there you go number one pick of the week from image comics number one black magic with a K at the end so that's our show and I hope you enjoyed issue number 26 please tune in next week it's gonna be a lot of fun and oh and also please if you haven't already looked at our, at our website sunspotscomics.com and zombiedestroyers.com please check it out and of course follow us at Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at sunspotscomics so see you next week and thank you very much again for listening hope you had a good one take care and don't forget it was a long time ago longer now than it seems in a place that perhaps you've seen in your dreams the story that you are about to be told began with the holiday world of old. Now you've probably wondered where holidays come from. If you haven't, I'd say it's time you begun. For the holidays are the result of much fuss and hard work for the worlds that create them for us. Well, you see now, quite simply, that's all that they do. Making one unique holiday especially for you. But once a calamity ever so great occurred when two holidays met by mistake.
And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sunspox. Sunspox? Like Sunspox?